Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. My Bible is opened up to Ecclesiastes, the fifth chapter. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, and for those of you that have a really great memory, yes, that is where we began the sermon last Sunday morning, but I do want to begin in Ecclesiastes chapter 5 again this morning. So let's get those Bible pages turning and let's get ready to study together for these next few minutes. As you're turning to Ecclesiastes chapter 5, I will echo the welcome from earlier. It is great to see everybody this morning, and while we do have lots of Lots of vacancies and holes in the pews because of our members traveling and being in other places this holiday weekend. We do have visitors and guests with us, and we appreciate so much your presence today. You encourage us and you honor us by being here today, and we hope that we're helping you to serve the Lord and to worship Him here on this first day of the week. There's much to say today from the Word of God, and I want to get right to it. In Ecclesiastes chapter 5, this is verse 18, Ecclesiastes 5.18, the wise man says there, Behold... What I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and to find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun the few days of his life that God has given him, for this is his lot. In November of 1980, Dolly Parton wrote and released a song that quickly rocketed to the top of the charts. It was the title track to a movie of the same name, which ended up earning her an Academy Award nomination and two Grammy Awards. The song that I'm referring to was entitled, Nine to Five. And in that song, she describes the daily grind of toil, of work, and of labor. The lyrics go something like this. Tumble out of bed and I stumble to the kitchen. Pour myself a cup of ambition. Yawn and stretch and try to come to life. Jump in the shower and the blood starts pumping. Out on the street, the traffic starts jumping with folks like me on the job from 9 to 5. If you're smiling, you know that song. That song goes on to talk about the difficulties of being in the workplace. Having bosses that won't let you move up. Having dreams that get crushed. Having others pass you on the career ladder. The chorus then says this, Working nine to five, what a way to make a living. Barely getting by, it's all taken and no given. They just use your mind and they never give you credit. It's enough to drive you crazy if you let it. That song rapidly became an anthem for American workers, especially office workers. Because it ended up putting a catchy tune to what a lot of American people were already kind of feeling, their frustrations with work. The Gallup organization, several years later, they actually put some numbers to that idea. Gallup reported in 2013 that work is more often than not a source of frustration instead of fulfillment for about 90% of American workers. Now, surprisingly, they went on to find out that the more money you make in your job, well, the more you like your job, go figure. But that research even went on to report that a huge number of those workers even say that no matter how much money they make, they just work to get a check. How about us? Is that all that our jobs are to us? That maybe at best work is a necessary evil. Something that we just have to do in order to pay the bills and to survive. But really we're just working for the weekend or maybe even better yet, we're working to retirement to the day when we don't have to work anymore. Are we, are we just working nine to five, 
punching the clock to no good end. I'm wondering about that this morning. And this morning what I'm going to do is I am going to directly stand in front of and confront that 9 to 5 grind mentality. Because while most Americans view work as a burden, I'm going to ask you, Christian, do you see your work and your job as a blessing? We just sang that song, count your many blessings, name them one by one. As you were counting your many blessings in your mind a moment ago, was work, was your job on that list? That sounds almost crazy to say that out loud. I mean, come on, who's thankful for work? Yet this morning, I'm wondering, what does God think about work? What is God's view of occupations and employment? And if we were to replace the typical American viewpoint and American thinking about work, and replace that with what God says about work in the Scriptures, I'm wondering, how would that change us? And is it possible that maybe the end result of that would be that we would end up seeing work as the true blessing that God designed it to be? Solomon said in our opening text in Ecclesiastes 5 that you can actually find joy in your toil, joy in your labor. And on this, the eve of Labor Day, It seems fitting for us to think a little bit about how we can find some of that joy, yes, even some of that gratitude whenever we return to our toil tomorrow or for many of us, get back to it on Tuesday. And So let me set before you this morning, I want to share with you five reasons just right out of the Scriptures as to why we ought to be thankful for work, yes, thankful for work. And then at the end, I'm even going to add two additional bonus thoughts that I hope will help us to appreciate this blessing of work even more. And that all begins with this first observation. This is absolutely where it has to start. That we ought to be thankful for work because, well, because that's what we were created to do. It is what God made us to do. I'm, of course, going back to the beginning. Look in Genesis chapter 1. In Genesis chapter 1, I'm reading here about life before the fall. This is the world pre-sin. And we are told that God speaks to Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 1. This is verse 28. In Genesis 1, 28, God blessed them and He said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Do you see that there? Subdue and have dominion over the earth. You know what that is? That is God giving a job to Adam and to Eve. God assigned them work as soon as He placed them upon this earth. That's furthered and spelled out even more in chapter 2. In chapter 2 and in verse 15, God said to Adam, Genesis 2 verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. You know, it is astonishing to me just how quickly our attitude about work just goes right off the rails. We resent work. We don't want to work. We try to get out of work. But right here on page 1 and on page 2 of the Bible, God says that work is fundamental to human existence. That work is not evil. It is not terrible. It is God-ordained. Can I say that again? Work is God-ordained, that we be constructive, that we be productive, that we 
work. That was part of His original intentions for humanity right from the very beginning. And that is true because we as humans, we are made in the image of God and God is a worker. Have you thought about that? You think about the different ways in which we reflect God's character and His likeness and being made in His image and what that means. Part of that is God works, we work. In fact, since we're still here in Genesis chapter 2, just notice some of God's work. Back up to verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished His work that He had done. And He rested on the seventh day from all His work that He had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all His work that He had done in creation. In fact, the Bible goes on to say that not only did God work in making creation, but God continues to work in providing for and holding all of His creation together. I'm looking in the New Testament now in John chapter 5. Listen to Jesus here. In John 5, Jesus says some things about work. He does work. His Father does work. John chapter 5, Jesus is actually answering some of the objections that were being made about uh, healing someone on the Sabbath day. And he says this in John 5, verse 17. John 5, 17, Jesus answered them, My Father is working until now, and I am working. Now, I certainly understand that God does a different sort of work than the hourly employee at McDonald's, or somebody who's on the factory floor running machinery, or even the CEO of a giant corporation. But there's no denying that God is doing, that God is productive, that God is creating, He's executing, He's carrying out. God is working. How then could we ever arrive at this place where so many people are today? Where we have decided that work is just awful. Work is bad. Work is something that we should avoid. I'd rather play and have fun than do work. Maybe remember that beer commercial campaign from a few years ago? Well, there's a bunch of guys down there on the, on the lake camping and they're fishing and they're sitting around the campfire and they're frying their fish and finally a guy speaks up and he holds his beer up and he says, ha ha, life doesn't get any better than this. Well, I would submit to you that biblically, there is something better than that. I would submit to you that idle fun and recreation all the time that that is not the peak pinnacle of life. I would submit to you that the better thing that the Bible provides is this thing called work. And that certainly doesn't mean that it's wrong to take time off from work or to have a break from work. But it does mean that we need to kind of go back to the beginning. We need to recapture that biblical understanding of where labor fits in our lives. You know, even people who retire because they have worked all of their lives, and they have been good stewards of their resources during that time. Even retired folks, what do they usually find once they reach retirement? They often find that they need something to do. They can't sit around all the time. I need something to occupy myself. Why? Because man was not created to be idle. It's not about all you know, all fun and, 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 and all play and no work. No. No, work fits in there. And I know somebody's thinking, oh, all fun. Oh, I, I, I think I could give that a shot. I think I could actually make that work. I think I could make a go of that. No. Even if you could play all day, even if you could just have fun every day, it still doesn't change the fact that God made us this way. 
God made us to work. He made us to do and to be productive, which means when I go to work this week, I can count that as a blessing. I can. I can count that as a blessing because I am doing and I am being the very thing that God created me to be. And that's always going to be a reason for gratitude, right? That I can praise God that I'm doing the thing that God created me to do. Which will lead me to say, secondly, that we can be thankful for work because every job matters to the Lord. Now, I realize that a lot of people's distaste for their job stems from the fact that they are unhappy with their job. You know, somebody would maybe say, you know, it's just kind of hard to be thankful for a job that I don't really like. It's not my preferred vocation, but I'm doing it anyway. And I'm just kind of doing it with teeth gritted and doing it real begrudgingly. In fact, somebody maybe would even say, Josh, you know, it's real easy for you to stand up here and to talk about being thankful for your job because, well, because you're in a spiritual job. You kind of work for God. You don't know my boss. My boss is terrible. My boss is awful. My boss, if I could just say what I'm really feeling, I hate my boss. Lots of people feel that way. Really? Try a little bit of Ephesians 6 with me. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul says some stuff to those who are laborers and workers, employees, if you will. In Ephesians chapter 6, look in verse 5. In Ephesians 6 and verse 5, Paul says, Bondservants, slaves, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, as you would Christ. Not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is slave or... Or free. Paul says, work for the Lord. Work for Him. Paul actually makes that same admonition to the Colossian brethren. Would you find Colossians 3? In Colossians 3, Paul's a little bit more specific when he writes in Colossians 3, verse 22. Colossians chapter 3, verse 22, Slaves, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye services, people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll tell you this, Christian. You don't hate your boss. I know your boss. You are worshiping your boss this very day. We all showed up today to sing praises to our boss to remember what our boss has done for us on the cross of Calvary. Why? Because we all are working for Jesus the Christ. I want you to realize that those passages we just read from Ephesians and Colossians, those passages are not directed just toward preachers, toward people who work in the ministry. Yeah, you know, people who have a spiritual job. God really cares about you guys. You're involved in religious employment, and that really matters, but... The work that I'm doing, the job that I'm at in the, out in the secular field, well, God isn't really interested in that. He's not all that concerned with that. No. These passages crush that kind of clergy-laity distinction. There is no such thing as an unspiritual job. Do you understand what I mean by that? Every job is to be done what? 
It is to be done to the glory of Jesus Christ. Everybody is working for and everybody will ultimately be paid by Jesus the Christ. In fact, the job that's specifically being talked about in Ephesians and Colossians, it's what? It's slavery. Folks, that's the bottom. That's not even on the career ladder. That's like four rungs below the career ladder. I don't care how bad your workplace is, your boss can't sell you, okay? You're doing pretty good comparatively. This is as bad as it gets. And yet as bad as this is, talking to slaves, Paul says to them, your work matters to God. Your job is significant to the Lord. Because in the very way that you are doing that work, you are able to glorify Christ Jesus. There's coming a day when you're going to be paid the wages you deserve. Now, I'll tell you, if a job like slavery matters, what job doesn't matter? You can glorify God on the job by by working hard, by being honest, by having integrity in your work by being someone who is dependable and reliable in your work, by coming to work with a positive attitude, by not complaining, by not being slothful, in those and a hundred other ways, you can demonstrate that my job, it does matter to the Lord because I am working heartily as to the Lord. i got to tell you, I find that to be a source of profound thanksgiving. When I can get up on any given day, and I can go to work, and I can know that my labors, they are of value to the Lord. That, that makes work a tremendous blessing. Just like this third blessing. We can be thankful for work, because work enables us to provide for ourselves and for our families. Look in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 with me, please. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, Paul writes this letter to this congregation who unfortunately had some folks in it who were not working. They were being idle, and their idleness was causing some problems. It was causing some difficulties within that congregation. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, Paul says to them in verse 10, 2 Thessalonians 3 and in verse 10, he says, For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. That passage, that passage is increasingly out of touch in our world today, isn't it? It is increasingly out of touch with a society that has engineered a giant welfare system whereby people do not have to work. In our country, we have coddled an entire generation of people who don't do anything, who sit around and they get government assistance checks month after month, and they do not ever intend to work or to contribute to society in any meaningful way. It is of interest to me that in God's original civil state, Israel, The welfare program back then was called what? It was called gleaning. And if you wanted to eat in Israel, then you had to go to work, 
And you had to go and you had to glean. You had to go and gather. That's what gleaning was. You gathered what was left behind in the fields. You picked up. There was no free lunches for people who were not willing to work. In fact, would you go back to Ecclesiastes chapter 5 where we began? Solomon actually says something here about the honor and the self-respect that comes whenever we are willing to put in a hard day's work for a fair day's wage. That's missing totally in our society. Of the free handout society and and culture that's been adopted, where's the honor in that? Where's the self-esteem and the self-respect in that? Solomon says something about it in Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Look in verse 12. In verse, I love this verse, verse 12. Sweet is the sleep of a laborer, whether he eats a little or much, but the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. Solomon says you work hard all day. It really doesn't matter what you get paid. You can take pride in the fact. You can pillow your head comfortably at night knowing that you work hard to provide for yourself and to provide for your family. You were not a burden to others or a burden to the state or even a burden to the church. You were able to work. And that work served as a conduit for God's provisions in your life. What a tremendous blessing that is. I ought to thank God that He enables me and makes it possible for me to provide for myself and for my loved ones. But you know what? It's not just about providing for me and my my own close-knit group of folks. Fourthly, work is a blessing because it gives us the opportunity to also help others who are in need. I'm looking for Ephesians chapter 4 now. In Ephesians chapter 4, at the end of this chapter where Paul gives all these kind of quick hitter admonitions and just very practical points, he contrasts work with stealing. In Ephesians chapter 4, he says in verse 28, Ephesians 4 verse 28, Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Now there's a novel idea. Stop stealing. Get a job so that you can provide for yourself and so that you can share with those who are in need. Now I realize whenever we talk about sharing and helping those who are in need, we get a little bit skeptical, we're a little bit jaded about that. And that's because there are so many crooks in our society. There are so many dishonest people that we probably encounter on a regular basis who could work but don't. And they take advantage of the goodwill and the generosity of others. And that is shameful. And those people are going to have to answer to that before the Lord one day. But you know what? That doesn't change the fact that there are people who for various legitimate reasons are not able to work, are not able to support themselves, do not have the resources to do all of that, and who are legitimately in need. They are truly of need. There are people like that in the world. Who's going to help those folks? Who's going to support those individuals? Well, God says in Ephesians 4.28 that we will, and Christians, those of us who work, we're going to have something by which we can then share with those who are in need. Do you ever think about that? When you get your paycheck, does the thought ever enter your mind, hey, I've got some money now that I can help some other people. After I've provided for myself and provided for my family's needs, that's, that's a first importance. But I've got some money now, I've got some resources where I can help some other folks. 
Do you see how the world's view of work and God's view of work just totally diverge here? What's the world say? What's the average worldly person say when they get their paycheck? It's mine and my money. I earn this. I work for this. I get to spend this on what I want to spend it on. It's my money. But the Christian is able to look at those monies that they've worked for and they've received and they can say, look, I now have something that I can share with others. God's blessed me tremendously and now I can be a blessing for other people. I have something to share with those who are in need. How blessed I am to be able to do that. Do you see, do you see how a godly view of work, it causes gratitude to just form and just start flowing out from us? How thankful I am that my labors can benefit and help not just myself, but can actually benefit and help others. Just like in this fifth way, work is also something that empowers us to contribute to the work of the kingdom of God. If you find Philippians chapter 4, please. In Philippians chapter 4, Paul writes this letter to a church that he loves so very much. And he commends them here specifically because they had financially supported his work and his labors in the kingdom. In Philippians chapter 4, he says in verse 15, he says, You Philippians, you yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Now, depending on what translation you're reading from, your Bible may have the word fellowship in there in verse 15 instead of the word partnership. But but that is what's being described there. When we talk about fellowship, we're talking about a partnership, a sharing together in spiritual things. Have you ever thought about yourself as being a partner in the work of the gospel? When you give to the local church, when those collection baskets go by here in just a few minutes and money is dropped into those baskets, where's all that money come from and what's it going to? Well, that money comes from working men and working women who are giving back to the Lord a portion of their blessings that He's bestowed upon us. And whenever you do that and whenever I do that, we become a partner in the work of this church. When you read those evangelism reports from the various brethren that we support in other parts of the country and even in other parts of the world, and you look at those letters and you say, man, that's great. That's awesome that that guy's able to do that. And I'm sure the Lord is pleased with that brother. Guess what? God is pleased with you as well. Because you are a partner in that work. Maybe in a very small way, but you are sharing in that work. And don't forget, you're also a partner in this local work that goes on here at Lakeside. It's awfully nice to have lights, isn't it? Randy's having trouble with the lights today. But for the rest of us, we're, we're pretty happy about having lights. It's really nice to have air conditioning during these hot summer months, isn't it? It's nice to have comfortable pews to sit in, to have PowerPoint projectors, to have classroom material for our Bible classes, and of course as well, to even have a preacher who can devote himself fully to the study and preparation and presentation of the Word of God. You are partnering in that. And so when we work, and when we receive wages for that work, that then empowers us to be fellow believers, fellow workers, as we partner with God, as we partner with each other in doing the work of the kingdom. That, that is pretty cool. 
And that is cause for thanksgiving. God lets me work so that I can play a part in the upbuilding of His kingdom. Now you just stop and you look, and I apologize to folks sitting in the back. I didn't realize how bad that white was going to clash with that color on the background there. But for those of you that can see, and if you've been listening well, look at all the great things that do happen when we work. It secures our self-respect and the respect of others. It gives us the chance to, to glorify God and to provide for our families and even beyond our families, all while doing the very thing that God created and made us to do. Do you see what a blessing it is to be able to work? Now, there's a chance that if I just stopped right here, all of this is going to sound very Pollyanna-ish. But I want to be clear that I am not foolish and I am not naive. I do not think that anybody here is going to wake up on tomorrow morning or maybe Tuesday morning to go back to work and you're going to say, Oh man, yes! I get to work today! Remember that sermon Josh preached on Sunday? Oh man, I'm so excited to go to work and here's all the reasons why. In all likelihood, you probably won't be doing that. And you probably won't be whistling while you work. Well, why is that? I think that's a worthy thing to stop and think about. Why is that? Even in light, and we all are going to right now, we're going to mentally acknowledge, and I think every one of us is going to say amen to all five of those points. Yep, that's exactly right. Even in light of all of those good things, all of those reasons to be thankful for work, why is it that we still struggle with work? Why is it that we still have difficulty with seeing that as being a blessing? Let me offer these two final additional thoughts that I hope will help us just a little bit to maybe alter and and shift a little bit in our thinking. First and foremost, we need to realize that work is difficult because of human rebellion. Which means that work, work is not designed to be fun. But would you go back to Genesis? I, I noticed those first couple of references and passages about work. But then there's a third famous passage about work in the book of Genesis. And that's in chapter 3. Because this is after the fall of man. This is after sin has been introduced in the world. And after sin has entered the world, the world has changed. And so too did our place in this world. And so God says to Adam in Genesis chapter 3, this is verse 17, to Adam He said, because you've listened to the voice of your wife, and you've eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Somewhere in the seam of Genesis 2 and Genesis chapter 3, work changed. It became difficult. It became hard. That was part of the consequence of sin being introduced into this world. And so if you are one of the people who have kind of a rotten attitude about work, and what you think and what you've convinced yourself is, you know what, I just need to find myself a job that's just going to be more fun, and it'll be more easy, and that way I'll I'll finally enjoy work, then my friend, you are fooling yourself. Work is not fun. It's work. That's the reason it's called work. If it was fun, it would be called Disney World. And you would pay to go do it, not the other way around. That's not how work works. 
The second thing that I would say about that is that sometimes we have trouble appreciating work because, because we just expect too much out of our jobs. I don't know who it was, and I don't know when it was, but at some point in history, some Yahoo coined the phrase, find a job doing what you love, and you'll never work a day in your life. I'm sure that you know looks good on placards and share those on memes, but I'd like to find that guy and I'd like to strangle him. Because that's just not true at all. The idea conveyed there that if I can just find me a job that's so meaningful, that will then satisfy me, satisfy my every longing and everything that I'm looking for in life, and it'll be just so wonderful, and we'll just feel like, we'll just feel like I'm not even working at all. That's ridiculous. Because regardless of how much you may love your job, regardless of how much satisfaction you may gain from your job, there are still things in work that are going to be difficult. And are going to make work hard. Think about it. Firemen. They save people's lives. That has to be very satisfying and very fulfilling. But you know what else firemen do? They stretch and dry hoses. How much joy could you get out of that? Doctors. They save people's lives. That has to be very rewarding. But doctors also treat people's runny noses. Preachers. Preachers baptize people. I would argue that there is nothing more satisfying than assisting a precious soul in having their sins washed away. You don't know the joy and elation I feel when I'm standing in that water with someone else. But you want to know what else I do as a preacher? I go talk to people who are living in sin and who we're going to have to withdraw from. And I beg and I plead with them to come back to the Lord. And they say no. And they get angry. And they slam the door. And they hang up the phone. And they block me on Facebook. And they paint me out as the bad guy. And guess what? I hate that. I don't enjoy any of that. That's not enjoyable at all. Every job has good things in it. And every job has bad things in it. That's why they're paying you to do it. And I know that right about now somebody's going to say, Josh, I I do love my job. And it does bring me great fulfillment in my life. And I get that. I love my job. I count it one of the greatest privileges in my life that I get to be involved in the preaching of the gospel and working with this congregation. I do love my work and I am very fulfilled by that. But I'm talking here about ultimate fulfillment. That is filling you all the way up and in every way. And I'm saying to you this morning that you are never going to find a job that's going to provide you that kind of satisfaction here on this earth. Because what is it that really fills us up? Actually, let me rephrase that. Who is it that really fills us up? God does. You are not meant to find that kind of satisfaction in your work or in anything else. You find that kind of satisfaction only in the Lord. You read the book of Ecclesiastes. In chapter 2, Solomon, he's just working up a storm. He's doing all kinds of work. He's building this and he's doing this and planting this and plowing that. And at the end of chapter 2, what Solomon say? He says, eh, it was all vanity. I'm not even really sure I should have been spending all my time consumed with all of that. Work is not meant to ultimately fulfill us. God is. 
Work is merely a tool that God has given us in order to accomplish all those things that I had on the screen a moment ago. And so if you are asking and seeking for your job to do what your relationship with the Lord is designed to do, my friend, you're going to be disappointed in your work. But on the other hand, when your relationship with the Lord is what it ought to be, then your whole view of work, what it is, how to do it, what your attitude ought to be toward it, all of that is able to be transformed. You can see work not as that ah, nine-to-five grind, but you can begin to see it as truly being a blessing from the Lord. And if you're not happy, if you're not thankful, if you're not grateful for work, the solution to that is not to go change your job. The solution to that is change your boss. Start working for the Lord. When you go back to work Monday or Tuesday or whenever it is, walk in that day. I'm not thinking about my physical human boss. I'm working for Jesus Christ here. And don't get frustrated with your job. I'm just going to quit this job. No. Go to work with a renewed purpose. I am here to glorify Christ in every way that I can in this job. And when your job gets difficult, don't whine, don't complain, don't go trashing your job. Rejoice. Rejoice that God gives you the opportunity to share in His very image of being someone who properly values the role and the necessity of work. Now, as we prepare to extend the invitation of Jesus Christ, let me tell you something that work can't do for you. I've talked about a number of things that work can do for you this morning. Let me tell you what work can't do and something that you can't work for and that you can't earn. And that is salvation. You just can't work and earn salvation from God. Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says that salvation, it is a gracious gift. It is God's gift to the one who in faith responds to His gracious offer. And the way that you do that is by turning from sin, by confessing Jesus as God's Son, and by being united with Him in the waters of baptism. And if you're here this morning and you're just sitting on the dime, and you know you need to do that, and you haven't done that, then let's do that. Let's do that today by coming to the front, making it known, I want to become a Christian. I want to start serving the Lord. And when you come up out of the water, yeah, there's some work to do. Ephesians 2 verse 10 tells us that when we become a Christian, God makes us His workmanship. We have been created in Christ Jesus for good works. We are now born again. Start doing the work of God. It is a privilege and it is a blessing to be involved in that noble work. Brother or sister, it may be that you have failed in doing the work of God. If that be the case, repent of that. If you need us to pray with you and encourage you to help you to be a better Christian from this day forward, let us do that today. You come to the front as well. Whatever your need may be, simply make that known right now by coming to the front while we stand and while we sing.